Tonight I think I'd like to speak about the thinking mind. Anybody have any thoughts today? It said uh, some statistic that we have 65,000 thoughts a day and that 90% are repeats from the day before. So any notion that the practice is about getting rid of or even stilling the thoughts ultimately uh, is, um, is a setup to be tormented by the thinking mind. So in, in some way the direction of our practice is not to uh, quiet our mind but to transform or change our relationship to our thinking mind to a relationship from, uh, of, from, from a relationship of, of grasping at our thinking mind, believing our thinking mind, being identified with our thinking mind, hating our thinking mind, to simply noticing the display of thoughts uh, and the experience of having our uh, fundamental sense of well-being uh, not dependent on what we're thinking, whether we're thinking or not. To be able to, uh, instead of know about ourselves, which is, the, which is the way we know ourselves through our thinking, instead of knowing about ourselves, rather to know ourselves directly. And when I say that, when I say know myself directly, that means to know what my immediate and direct experience is in any, any moment, because that's all there is. That is the totality of reality, is my immediate experience. And the truth of the matter is that um, that can only be found in the present moment, reality. And yet we don't spend a lot of time in the present moment. And since reality is only found in the present moment, we don't spend very much time in reality. Rather, we tend to spend time a little bit disconnected, living in a, you could say, a, a dimension of reality, but a, an imaginary dimension of reality, a virtual reality. So our practice is to come out of that um, virtual reality, being caught in it, driven by it, disliking it, to noticing it. Wow! That's a thought arising in the present moment. I was slightly motivated because during the... I was thinking about thinking today. Thinking is a wonderful thing. I, I've... In fact, some of the thoughts that I had during the sitting tonight are things that I wanted to talk about this evening. I had this one passage continuing to go through my mind that was a little bit of my motivation. And the, it was uh, from 19, in the late 1970s, I, I did a, a three-month meditation period in, in Barrie, Massachusetts at the Insight Meditation Society. And I... I went year after year to these long practice periods, and at the end of each year, there would be a guest teacher who would be invited to come in. 
And the first year that I went, this was 1978 or 79, the teacher that came in at the end of the year was the, the, the famous Zen master Sansanim, who man, some of you may have even sat with in the course of your life. He's no longer alive. But Sansanim came in and saw this room full of, of very quiet yogis who hadn't been uh, outdoors too much for three months, who looked, whose eyes were sunk back in their head, and looked very quiet, very still, and he just felt, I, I think he felt like shaking it up a little bit. And so he, he just launched into this challenge. He said, who are you? <laughs> he says, you think you know, you don't know. Keep don't know mind. Who are you? You think you know, you don't know. So that, when I was going through my mind tonight, I was saying, you think you know, but you don't know. Keep don't know mind. And then uh, that, chain, that thought, which was quite challenging at the time, even though it, was, it wasn't so challenging because I had been sitting for three months and it was so obvious in seeing the flow of the thousands of thoughts every day that a, a thought of myself was clearly not myself. It was just a little bubble. There was nothing there. But to consider the, the amount of, to consider the, the degree to which I think that I am my thoughts the degree to which I think I'm defined by my thoughts or defined by the past, which is the only way I know that is by my thoughts, or defined by what I worry about will happen in the future, which I can only know by my thoughts, to the degree, the degree to which uh, that misidentification with our thoughts, uh, it, it diminishes when... when uh, one practices, and it had at that point. But the, que- but the challenge of the question, who are you? was saying, who are you? What is your experience on present evidence? Outside of the tangle of your thinking for a moment. Remembering how wonderful thoughts are, how beautiful they, and how challenging it is for our thoughts to describe reality and how, much, how fun it is to see if they can and how useful they are and sometimes very creative and, um, and it's very wonderful that I can experience a memory which comes in the form of a thought and sometimes feelings that go with those thoughts and it's so wonderful that I can make plans and sometimes those plans arise in the form of thought but who am I? What is my experience on present evidence? Who are you? You think you know. You don't know. So what can we say about ourselves when we're not seeing, experiencing ourselves through the realm of, thinking, of the thinking mind? This is half of our practice is making that, is coming out of that that maniacal tendency to define ourselves by our thoughts to noticing, oh that's the thinking mind, that can't capture me but what am I?
what is my experience on present evidence? And he says, uh, you don't know. Keep don't know mind. So he's not saying to come up with another thought to say what you are. He's saying, remain open, empty. Give yourself creative capacity. Give yourself, give yourself uh, the freedom to discover. Don't make conclusions. Because most of our thinking is in some way, uh, not most of our thinking, a lot of our thinking is making conclusions based on what has happened before. Whatever you've been through, making conclusions, drawing conclusions, and then projecting that onto the present moment with all kinds of assumptions about how things will unfold in the future. And in that whole process of thinking, especially when it goes unrecognized as thinking, when we have not made that shift from being living in our thoughts to noticing them, if we're caught in that, that internal uh, dialogue, that projection of past onto the imagined future, we are literally created, a version of ourselves is created that then uh, becomes... Uh, it, it affects our, our hearts, our minds. It, it, it obscures reality. And that version of ourselves that gets created in the thinking mind that, is, that goes unrecognized is, um, is a distortion. It's imaginary. It's not you. You, on present evidence, cannot be described. You don't know what will happen. Keep that don't know mind. You have no idea what will happen the moment you leave here. You may have lots of ideas about it, but we really don't know. We don't know. And I'm a, a, a deep follower of the famous catcher on the New York Yankees, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra said, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And keep don't know mind. As my teacher Punjaji put it, you need the past and thoughts to suffer. You don't need anything to be free. See, now, I, I imagine that many of you think, I'm not free. Any of you ever have that thought? Now, where's the bondage? Where's the bondage? Where are you bound? I'll just suggest that the bondage is in the thought, I'm not free. This is why we have to notice the thought, I'm not free. 
That thought, I am not free, is just a thought. It may reflect some feeling of unpleasantness that you may be having frequently. And you may... You may think that, um, that I'm experiencing this unpleasantness because there's, um, things haven't gone so well. Well, it's very much the heart of the Buddha's realization that, that life doesn't go well for anyone. All the time. It does sometimes, and we get praised, and then we get blamed. We experience gain, and then we experience loss. We become famous, and then we become shameless. I mean, shamed. <laughs> it's kind of, I just made up that word. <laughs> we experience pleasure, and then pain. But that doesn't mean the fact that those worldly winds, those winds blow through our life, it doesn't mean I'm not free. It just means we're experiencing. Because then, once that I'm not free, then we have to, we have to embellish that view of ourselves, that self-idea, with reasons. And we, came, we come up with good reasons. I'm not free because I don't have this or I don't have that, because I keep thinking all day. And then we start meditation practice, and I, if I practice hard enough, then I'll stop thinking. And then, I'm, even though I'm practicing with great sincerity, what I'm doing by trying to quiet my mind is I'm reinforcing the idea that I'm not, that I'm not free, and that my freedom is conditional on my mind quieting down. So it is that the it is a, an important insight, at least it was for me, that the practice of insight meditation is about insight, not about quieting my mind. Now it turns out, though, that a byproduct of having insight into the nature of thinking, being able to see a thought for a thought, and to actually be resting in, a, in an aware presence, increasingly in an aware presence that can see not only that a, a thought is a thought, but that thoughts are their own thinkers, that thoughts are conditioned, they're, they're part of a process of conditionality, they depend on certain triggers, causes and conditions, and that process of conditionality, it happens all by itself. The thoughts are their own thinkers. And depending on the conditions, we have a thought of we have a thought of planning, a thought of remembering, a thought of liking, a thought of disliking, a thought of blaming, a thought of judgment, a thought, and we get to see that our mind, based on conditions, displays the, what we call the top ten tunes. We start to have frequent visitors based on repeated conditions. But nevertheless, these thoughts are still just thoughts. They cannot capture, not one person here, as I say over and over, can be captured in a thought. Each person here is just so beautifully expressive of life, so unique, so enough, so complete, so much a, a part of the spark of existence, miraculous, unexplainable. 
not reducible to a thought, but yet all day long I'm, I'm shitty, I'm this, I'm that, I'm to this, I'm not enough of this, I don't have enough of this, I, and it just goes on and on and on. So the practice isn't to quiet that. It is to notice that. But as I was starting to say before, a wonderful byproduct of, being able, of having insight into the nature of thoughts is that you become less bothered by them. And when you are less bothered by your thoughts, they quiet. They get quieter. But then it becomes also very clear that because we are so conditioned to be reactive, to misidentify with our thoughts, to be aversive to them, to really like the pleasant ones, that we, we begin to see that, that if I'm not bothered by them, they quiet. But if I'm bothered by them, they torment me mercilessly. And so out of love for myself, I don't want to be tormented by my thoughts. How many people here are tormented by their thoughts? few honest people. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> but nobody wants to be tormented. But the, the way out of that tormentedness is to not to stop our thoughts, but is to make that shift and then to, as Linda was announcing my day long about loving the house that ego built, it's really loving the thoughts that the mind builds. It's trying to, to um, just appreciate, try to work with the display of thinking. It's just, it's just part of, it's a sense experience, a miraculous sense experience. It is, a thought is to our door of perception called mind. That's one of our door, one of our senses is mind. A thought is to our door of perception called mind, like a sound is to the ear, like a smell is to the nose, like a taste is to the tongue, like a sensation is to the body. It's a sense experience. So it's so much part of our, the fabric of our, our human experience, part of our, the, the electric circuitry of our, of our mind-body connection, and that triggered by contact with with, uh, with the other senses. And depending on any kind of inclination or any kind of reaction in our mind toward any sense experience, liking or disliking, there's a charge that, gets, that takes place. Whenever something's pleasant, the charge of liking, unpleasant, the charge of aversion. This is just a natural function of the, of the human heart and mind and body. And when that, when that um, reaction, when that charge is um, recognized, it's just, it's part of the charge of life. It's all liberated activity. It's all enlightened, it's all just enlightened expression of mind. If it goes unnoticed, if we're not aware, that those charges are often followed by um, the charges of liking followed by wanting. Of not liking is followed by, by uh, 
by resistance or aversion or contentiousness. That produces tension. Where does that tension go? Where does all that reactivity go? It, it doesn't just, it's not just sparks flying. What happens internally is the reactions and the charges that that get triggered tend to be followed by discursive thinking, the thinking mind. It's one of the ways that we discharge. But it, there is this inter-conditioned uh, process that happens. So no matter how much you try to quiet your mind, um, especially if you try to quiet it, it usually means you're bothered by it. And if you're bothered by it, it's a hidden form of aversion. It's a hidden form of grasping or craving at quiet. And that just keeps feeding the thinking mind. So if you really want to come to a place of stillness, you have to create the inner conditions where you are not in contention with anything. You're not fighting with anything. You're not holding on to anything. Not pushing anything away. And you're not saying, this is me. This is mine. You're not misidentifying with it. You're seeing it all as nature. Nature happening. How do we do that? Moment by moment, from the time you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed, you ceaselessly know what is in your mind. Know what's happening in your body. So it means activating, not just as a hobby, not just something on Tuesday night, a little sitting and a little Dharma talk, but all day long, being awake to what's happening in your mind and in your body. Now it turns out that, there's a, that there is a, a tremendous support for the stilling of the heart and mind, for the, that byproduct, that, that, that capacity to experience a calm abiding and a sense of focus and a sense of being home in the present moment and a cessation of that demand to be somewhere else, to be somebody else, to have things other than the way they are. There is a, a support for that process. And that support is what we did at the beginning of our practice tonight. That support is to not only have this ceaseless scanning, not scanning, the ceaseless awareness of whatever's happening in our, in our mind, but it is a, an ongoing or ceaseless sense of embodiment to have our mind completely settled in our body. Number one, number one and number two sources of anxiety and worry. Number one, being disembodied, not being settled in our body. Number two is uh, the reaction to not being settled in our body which is all those different charges that then, and then being caught in the thinking mind. Projecting, being lost in our thoughts, projecting the idea of a future that doesn't exist, projecting the idea of the past, and then, and then uh, 
worrying or regretting, replaying, all, all of that. This is a very, the fact that we are so disembodied, unable to be at home in our body, the reason, the, the, the fact that we are so much lost in thought, number one way of describing the world as one Thai forest master put it, he says, if you describe the world in, word in three words, he, he said, lost in thought. This happens uh, not because we're, um, we're foolish or we're, we're bad. Or, it happens innocently. We haven't been able to. So many experiences we've had, have, we have not been able to accommodate them. We didn't have the capacity to feel the pain of being in this world and maybe being different. Last week we did Viva la Difference. We talked about differentness. We didn't have the capacity to experience that. We may not have had the... Um, we may have been injured. We may have been traumatized, harmed. So consequently, our body was not a safe place. So the process of settling our mind into our body is, is gradual. But the effect of bringing gentle attention to our body is slowly being able to metabolize the feelings that were not able to be felt and to reclaim that sense of our place uh, in this body, on this earth, our, the fact that we are meant to be here. How do we know that? Because we're here. Reality. It is the highest truth. There's no doesn't need an explanation. Each person here, so unique and precious as that expression of life. So it's, like, it's like saying that leaf on the tree shouldn't be there. That leaf on the tree is wrong. That leaf on the tree should be different than the way it is. That's the same way that we mistakenly describe ourselves in our thoughts. But we can slowly find our place in the, in the family of, of beings and um, creative expressions of life. We can also, um, so we can do that through settling into our body. We can also do it through through, by being embodied, not simply thinking about our feelings, but actually feeling them. One of the ways that we tend to process our feelings, our difficult relationships, our worries, is to think about them. And we're just not very practiced at feeling them. But the interesting alchemy of mixing awareness, attention, with feelings, with sensations, and with thoughts, because of the nature of awareness, the nature of the knowing mind of Budo, that in us which knows, that uncreated element within the, everyone's uh, consciousness, that knowing quality that is just there, just there. 
Try to stop knowing right now. That knowing quality, when it is exploited, when it's utilized, when it's practiced, when it's gotten used to, when it's stabilized as one's home, the knowing, knowing of the body, knowing of the heart, knowing of the mind, when that knowing is stabilized, it, it diminishes the... Um, it diminishes the uh, tension in the mind and body. It quiets, it stills. Why does it do that? Because in any moment of knowing, of being in touch with that budo, that knowing, any moment can, is completely, utterly incompatible with, being, uh, with, with fighting reality. It's completely compatible with reality. Things as they are, as they've come to be right now. So first, before we do anything, we have to see how things have come to be. How, what's going on here? So if any, no matter how far you wander, if you just ask yourself, what's going on right now? What's happening? And we don't look to our memory to find out what's happening. We look to our direct experience. Budo, the knowing mind. I know that I'm feeling confused. I know that I'm feeling happy. I know that my body hurts. I know that my low back hurts tonight. <laughs> I tweaked my back this week. Tweaked back feels like this right now. Doesn't mean anything about me. It's just a tweaked back. And when I meet it with that, with the knowing mind, with, with, with mindfulness, with awareness, I'm using these words interchangeably. We won't get into the technicalities of it tonight. But when I do that, I stop fighting. And if I stop fighting, the water that has been boiling, that has been clouded, that has been um, colored by mis mistaken perceptions, it clears, it settles, until my mind is as... Ajahn Chah puts it like a clear forest pool. I think that's a good op opportunity to read the words of Ajahn Chah, Thai forest master. Questioner asked Ajahn Chah, I still have many, very many thoughts. My mind wanders a lot even though I'm trying to be mindful. Ajahn Chah responds, don't worry about this. Try to keep your mind in the present. Whatever there is that arises in the mind, just notice it. Let it be, let it go. Don't even wish to be rid of thoughts. Then the mind will reach its natural state. No discriminating between good and bad, hot and cold, fast and slow. No me and no you. No self at all. Just what there is. When you walk, there's no need to do anything special. Simply walk and see what there is. No need to cling to isolation or seclusion. Wherever you are, know yourself by being natural and noticing. If doubts arise, notice them come and go. It's very simple. Hold on to nothing. It is as though you're walking down a road. 
Periodically, you will run into obstacles. When you meet defilements, just see them and overcome them by letting them go, letting them be. Don't think about the obstacles you have passed already. Don't worry about those you've not yet seen. Stick to the present. Don't be concerned about the length of the road or a destination, about a destination. Everything is changing. Whatever you pass, do not cling to it. Eventually the mind will reach its natural balance, where practice is automatic. All things will come and go of themselves. Sitting for hours on end is not necessary. Some people think that the longer you can sit, the wiser you must be. I've seen chickens sitting on their nests for days on end. <laughs> Wisdom comes from being mindful in all postures. Your practice should begin as soon as you awaken in the morning. It should continue until you fall asleep. Don't be concerned about how long you can sit. What is important is that you keep watchful, whether you are working or sitting or going to the bathroom. Each person has his or her own natural pace. Some of you will die at age 50, some at age 65, and some at age 90. So too, your practice will not all be identical. Don't think or worry about this. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become quieter and quieter in any surroundings. It will become still like a clear forest pool. Then all kinds of wonderful and rare animals will come to drink at the pool. You will see clearly the nature of all things in the world. You will see many wonderful and strange things come and go. But you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. May all beings know their minds. May all beings know their bodies. 
May all beings be free. May our practice tonight and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your thoughts. And thanks for your presence. And hope to see you next time. And please be mindful. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.